Hey, what's up, First Mo family? Today we got a super, super dope episode for you guys. My man Justin from Ghost Extracts. He gets really vulnerable on his story, lets you guys in deep where he comes from, what he's been up to, and uh, his path. You know, it's been a crazy road for him, and uh, he's got a lot of accomplishments and done a lot of cool things. So, shout out to Justin. Shout out to you know anybody that comes on the show and lets us into their life to see parts of their story and parts of their journey that. Um, you might not know about. So make sure you watch until the end. It's a really dope episode. There is some game in this episode too. Um, some really good hidden gems. So make sure you check in and watch until the end. Make sure you also like the video, run the comments up and hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Turn on post notifications. We're having drops typically every Monday, if not every other Monday right now. And a lot of new content's on the way, more long form clips, um, more vlogs and different stuff that we're doing just in our day-to-day -day lives and definitely more tours are on the way including some international tours so we appreciate you guys watching shout out to the whole first smoke family if you haven't already go to fsotd.com check out our tiers there's tier one tier two tier three check out any of those tiers it's a way for you to support the show get involved with the movement and join the community we appreciate everybody that's done that and continues to do so that's how we keep bringing you this content and keep bringing these episodes also shout out to our good sponsors over at dr dabber drdabber.com make sure you go get an excess an evo whatever you like on there great products great people and a great brand shout out to them to get our latest code go to the sponsors tab on our website fsotd.com go down to dr dabber and you'll see the latest code there that we're currently using right now you can save money and get hooked up that code also works for Grow Generation. 60 plus stores nationwide, online or in store. All you gotta go is fsotd.com, sponsors page, and get the newest code. It gets you hooked up in store or online. And if you aren't happy with your nutrient company or you just wanna try something different, try Drip Hydro. Again, we can get you connected. fsotd.com, sponsors, and you got the brand new hookup code. You already know. Ghost Extract, shout out to you guys, man. Thank you for watching. We got you, let's get into it. Hey, what's good, everybody? We're back with another episode today. First smoke of the day. It's your boy Pack in the building here with Blackleaf. You already know what up, bro. As always, man, we got my <laughs> man Justin from Ghost Extracts in the building today. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely, man. We got a bunch of products on the table. Checking out the pins right now and uh, hearing a little bit about your story uh, before we got into this episode and ready to dive into it today. Yeah. Multi-state brand. Yeah, as of this morning, uh, we got an email saying that we got approved for our license. So we actually own the license outright in the state of New Mexico now, which is where we started, first state that we operated in. And uh, we went live in California last Friday. So multi-state brand as of Friday, which is unbelievable. Yeah, Fuck, man, crazy. congrats. That's yeah. awesome. Big congratulations. I appreciate that. I like the, uh, I like the branding. Thank you. Too. I'm a, I'm a big all black guy. Black on white. You can tell by the walls, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Clean, timeless. Uh, and I like the, you know, four letter brand. You know, actually, what is that? Five letter brand. So, but, ghost, yeah. but like short letter, one word. Mm -hmm. um, I like it a lot. 
it's kind of crazy like where it came out of too right like straight up me and my boy uh he's not here right now he's actually in new mexico helping with our sales out there uh we were trying to figure out what we were going to call this name and he was watching game of thrones with his girl and he was like calls me up and he was like yo we should run with ghost talking about the wolf from that show and i was like man that shit is so whack but then we started running with like wolf logos and like trying to figure out what we were going to do and so our other guy who's doing graphics for us came back and he was like yo this is what i got and he gave us uh and he gave us what it is uh, what not what it is now a different rendition it was kind of more like graffiti still black and white but kind of like spray painting and i was like all right bet we can run with that but what it is now is definitely not what it started with like thinking that the brand name came from watching game of thrones it's like I, it's embarrassing almost telling people that but <laughs> but that's how anything starts right any good idea it's just you your boy just like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what's gonna stick and like that was the end of 2019 and here we are in 2023 multi-state brand like it's unreal unreal it's an important part of that lesson is just get started yes because it's always going to be a progression mm -hmm. it's never going to start perfect no a lot of people will never get started because they're trying to hit perfect yeah and how it starts it'll never be how it ends agreed how it started and hardly anyone remembers the beginning fuck no fuck so no. it doesn't matter i was texting my boy this morning and i sent him a picture of our first office and it was like we were in vape i was in vape at the time and we were first stepping into cannabis and i was just like Yo, bro, we set up like tarps and little things in the back of these racks and we had little chairs and like, that's where we tried to do our cannabis meetings was in the back of this vape office. And it's just doing that now saying we have three offices across the country. It's, <laughs> are you kidding me? That's awesome. So. Shows perseverance because that couldn't have been easy. Hell no. Hell no. Yeah. And then uh, it take, I, I have a solid fucking team. Like, I would love to be that guy that's saying, like, I did this, I did that. No fucking way. The people that I have are second to none. I wouldn't trade anybody on my team for anybody. And that's, like, really what it is, I think, is finding the people that support you the most and relying on them. Because there's always going to be people that are going to tell you, you know, especially in this industry at the time, like, no, you shouldn't be doing that. It's not legal. No, you're not doing this. No, you're not doing that. How are you going to market? It's not a legitimate business. You can't make the money. Blah, blah, blah. It's just like, I'll figure it the fuck out. Let me go. You're either going to get on this ride with me or you're going to get the fuck out of my way, but I'm going. And uh, it's been hard, man. It's been tough. Like, I have a daughter. She was born in the beginning of all this. And like, being honest, like, again, like, that's really where the foundation of this all started was my daughter. Um, my wife who's here with me, uh, we couldn't have kids. She found out that, uh, we can do it naturally. We had to go through IVF. I was working in vape. My brother and I, we had a vape company. Um, we made a couple million in doing that, but FDA came and regulated that heavy and we wound up losing that. And then if, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, vape gate back in the day where vitamin E acetate was hitting the carts real heavy and basically disposables, dissolute, 510 cars, all that shit fucking tanked heavy. Um, we lost a lot of money in that. And we basically had to start from ground zero. You know, my brother moved out to Texas. We closed down that company. And then here I am with my wife, like can't have kids. I'm looking at going back to school. 
what am I going to do? I'm just like, you know what? I know where I can go make this money, but it's going to be doing things that people might not be comfortable with based on like me being sober. I was sober at the time, going to AA meetings every week, like sponsoring guys, calling my sponsor every day. Like this was a big fucking no-no for me to step into this industry. And then uh, I remember sitting there with my wife in that, in that meeting, we went and met with the doctor. He's like, yeah, you guys are going to need to do IVF. This is the only way this is going to happen. And we went and sat with the, uh, the accountant and they saw the paper over. It's like 75,000 to get this process going. I had like 10 K in the bank. Like that was supposed to be enough to keep us going. Cause the vape company was closing down. And I asked the lady, I was like, can you give us a minute? She walks out and I look at my wife and I was like, you know what? I can get this for you. I'll make this fucking happen. I will make this fucking happen. I'll give you this fucking baby, but it is not going to be doing selling babes. It's just not. And uh, she said, you tell me everything that you're doing. You be honest. You be transparent with me. This is what I want. I want a baby. I said, okay, I'll sign the paperwork. Sign the paperwork and bro, I got to work, you know, <laughs> like I'm going to do what I'm going to do to make sure that I can provide for my family. And it's been an crazy journey like just from that standpoint right was just coming from because i had some uh vaping experience i went uh i had some contacts in china with hardware and i knew how to import i knew how to export that's what i did my brother ran sales and business management i had product development and managed our supply chain so i i knew how to do it how to get it here and so when I started reaching out to people, you know, a lot of people at the time were looking at flour, doing that kind of thing. Um, hardware was a big no-no because a lot of people just don't trust China. It's hard to be, and especially in this industry, you can't bank your cash. And so it's like, how am I supposed to sell my product a disposable? Get, I'm going to get paid in cash, but then the government's going to tell me I can't deposit it. So how the fuck do I get it to China? Well, I had a vape company at the time. So I was like, this is a clean transaction. Let's go. I got, I'll fucking order hardware for you guys. Got you. <laughs> so I started ordering hardware and that's a clean transaction. It was a way for me to like st slowly start tiptoeing in the industry without really having to be plant touching. Right. And, uh, I managed to work some deals and get some stateside hardware. And I went to my boys and people that I knew in the industry and was just like, Hey, I got hardware. I'm not going to put a minimum on you. I'm not, it's right here. You pay me, I give it to you. There is no China. I'm your China. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time it was like probably 2020, right? Pre COVID and CBD was just starting to die. It starts vapable. People are starting to realize like, hey, the CBD is just a bunch of snake oil. This shit ain't doing nothing for anybody. And like, if you know anything about CBD, in order for it to truly affect the endocannabinoid system, D9 has to be associated with it. It's the only way it can be fully absorbed into the body. And so it's like, okay, bet CBD's dying down, but then Delta 8 started hitting the market. Hemp started hitting the market. And so that became a way to fully legally market a brand in the first time in a way that we actually try to do on a regular basis. And that's really what caught my attention in the beginning of all of it. So it was knowing hardware. Mm -hmm. 
and knowing that multiple different brands use different hardware. So like rosin, distillate, live resin, diamonds, whatever. Even beyond that, I knew that within like, so we can back up. I started a vape yeah. company 2013. Let's start first time ever smoking weed. First Where'd time you, ever smoking. Where did you grow up? All right, all right, all right. So- Because you brought up a crazy childhood. Yeah, yeah, kind of gnarly. I was born and raised, I was born in San Bernardino, California, right here. Um, I grew up in Riverside, went to high school in Beaumont. Um, and then from there, I started bouncing around a lot. Um, first time smoking weed, I it's kind of crazy. I was thinking about it this morning in the shower because I knew I was coming here. I'm like, I'm sure I'm going to get asked this question. When was the first time, right? And uh, it was with this girl. She was just a homie. It was a Friday night. We went to this rundown motel in Beaumont, California. There was like a party in high school. We're drinking. Um, I think I was 16, but I had SATs the next day. And I'd never done drugs, never smoked weed. Like I was that kid in high school that was just like, fuck you if you're doing that like basically a prude you know mm -hmm. and uh wasn't about it well i remember i was at this party this girl just broke up with me yo come out with me blah blah let's go i wound up at this hotel and she was like yo you should hit. philip was like yo you should hit this i was like all right but there's a little glass bowl just nothing crazy you know and just cherried it fucking coughed my brains out like crazy um, to be honest with you, I was fucked up, right? Like just laid back, had no idea what was going on, what I was doing. I was supposed to be studying for my SATs, woke up the next morning. I was late. It was just like, fuck. Bad oh, experience overall. I want to do yeah. that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, I was like, fuck those SATs. Where can I get another bag? <laughs> That's that addictive personality. Yeah. And that led to, like I said, like a whole list of other problems. Um, that was definitely the beginning of a lot of issues. You know, I got into a lot of other drugs. I was, I went to uh, Cal State San Bernardino, joined a fraternity. Uh, my brother and my mom were still living. My, I have two brothers. They're twins. Uh, they're younger than me. I basically raised them. They're, there was a lot of shit in our family going on when we were younger. And, um, we all work together today, so the relationship is great, but we went through a lot in our childhood and uh, led me down a path where, like I said, so I was at Cal State San Bernardino and it was the first time where I could let loose. Like I wasn't taking care of my brothers. I was living on campus. I joined a fraternity. Like I thought I was free drinking all the time fucking smoking weed started doing coke fucking popping ecstasy and then uh fucking oxycontin came out damn bro you got a dab everywhere we go it's discreet it's portable nobody knows drdabber.com use the code get your excess now i remember like it was yesterday my one of my boys in my fraternity his dad had a salvage yard so when they got new cars in, they would like pop the panels and just see if there was anything in there. They got a charger in there and they popped the panel and they found a hundred bag and it had a hundred OCs in it. And the dude was like, I got this. So he gave them to me. He was like, Hey, I got these OC 80s. Have you ever seen this? I was like, bro, let me make a phone call. I made a phone call. He was like, you want all those pills? I was like, all right, bet. And so I hit him up, got him. I got a hundred pills for free. It didn't cost me nothing. And, uh, 
Worst gift ever. Worst gift ever. Yeah. You know, um, that was 2008, I want to say, 2009. And man, I was off to the fucking races. If I could, I was, it's kind of crazy, right? Like I was stealing, robbing, fucking anything I could do to get money or get pills or do anything to get it. I was doing it. Wait a minute. How did the progression lead up? You get the hundred pills, then what happens? So did you get the hundred pills? Uh, no, not right away. Sold right? some, or like yeah, that? you start selling them, you start pushing them because right away you're in school. But you decided I'm gonna try one. Yeah, you I ate mean, it or nah. So <laughs> it's kind of a crazy, right? So you know, like these hose clamps that you can get at Home Depot, and you they're like metal hose clamps, and you screwdrive them. Well, if you unscrew them and you bend them, you flip them out, and you straight up file the pill down and make a powder out of it and you just chop it up and fucking snort lines like you do coke or what then i started with you get, you asked about the progression once i was like bro i don't have time to fucking chop this pill down every time i don't have time to file this down somebody can't be watching me do that um i started smoking it put it on some reynolds wrap aluminum foil you get a big pen pop it open lighter start chasing it start smoking that it's just crazy, man. Like even sitting yeah. here talking about it, like yeah. this is, I don't really get into it too often. Like where yeah, I was right. at, what I was doing, you know, especially today. Did you have someone showing you that or were you just figuring it out? Um, I had somebody that was showing me for sure. There was somebody, that person that I called like, Hey, what should I do with these? Abies? He was already on them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was 17 at the time, had already been to rehab twice. I didn't know about Ooh. it, but like, it kind of progressed from there. His family found out that he was popping pills. It's, it's you know, it's crazy that there's a Netflix series out on right now. Uh-huh. I mean, my, I mean, my girl watched it with me. Yeah. And I, I was listening to uh, Pete Berg, who was actually on Joe Rogan. And he was talking about the Sackler family. And they're mm-hmm. going through it right now. Mm-hmm. And they got like all their names taken off the Met and all these other places where they were basically being praised, but I mean, the counts up to like 600,000, 700,000 people dying from Oxycontin yeah, no, directly. So many homies. Like it's like four numbers. And, you know, they, they ran up their net worth of the family to like 15, 20 billion. That's what's like reported. Mm-hmm. And they just had to, I think it was like 6 billion or something. Like they're trying to settle out right now. But uh, I think it's going to be ongoing and keep going. But it's just crazy to know that like, in the beginning, when they started getting backlash, their whole notion was put it back on the people that wow. are doing it. Like your kid's a drug addict; it's your fault. Uh, I'm telling you, you know, like as somebody that was I, doing. And they it. also said that the guy that they got to approve it through the FDA, mm-hmm. they later ended up giving him a job. At uh, he was making like 50 grand a year working for the FDA, and he worked there for like another year or two. Then he quit. And then he got a job making like, I don't know, four or 500,000 a year. Um, and he's in the series. Yeah. And they've like found that guy now. And like, he's been living in New Hampshire or some shit out in the middle of nowhere. And like, he by no means ended up super wealthy, but he passed it through the FDA by saying, to our knowledge, it's not addictive, this medicine. Yeah. And that's how they got it through and shit. We're originally from Florida, so we're very oh, familiar yeah. with oh, yeah. the whole situation. Hill mills yeah, and, I mean, yep. those people coming down in vans. Mm-hmm. I had multiple homies die. They yep. started doctor shopping. Uh, I saw their 
progression go really down. Once, it, once the pharmacy started driving up here, we had people that would fly out to Florida. It was the same thing. It like, was shit was gnarly. Yeah, bro. yeah. And I'm telling you, like, I've had multiple surgeries. I've torn my left Achilles twice, had that repaired, torn my right Achilles, fucking torn my rotator cuff, multiple surgeries, right? My When I had my first Achilles tendon, I was sober. And so I, I did it with no pain meds the first time. And the pain that I felt coming off Oxycontin and heroin withdrawals is unlike anything I've ever felt before. It's unlike any pain I've ever had. And like the fact that like it was so easily accessible at the time, it's fucking mind blowing. It's heroin. Yeah. Pharmaceutical pill, grade yeah, yeah, heroin. For sure. In an easy take form. <laughs> yeah. 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 It yeah, so, it was sad. So you get with you get with this guy, he's showing you all this shit and you start getting hooked. I mean, you're hooked right away or what? Oh yeah, bro. You do that shit three days in a row you're physically dependent a hundred without you even realizing it like you don't know yet at the time i had no fucking yeah idea. and it hasn't impacted you in a way to where you're no. like i'm fucked no no i was still going to class i was still doing my thing just having fun on the side yeah and experience something new but then when i fucking when i got my two younger brothers addicted to this drug because my mom is still feeding them money and if I get them hooked and they can only get the pills through me, then I can get a piece off of every pill that I get them. So I had my brothers hooked on this shit too. Yeah, that's tough. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like that's where that's where I got. That's that way of thinking that is mm -hmm. like tough to live with, tough to accept and tough to, you, you don't even know it when you're high. No, I was so fucked up at the yeah, time. Yeah, you don't I had even no know idea. what you're doing. But sober, you're like, damn, bro, that's fucking low. And so what snapped it for me, what, well, the first trip to rehab was uh, my brother, Nick, gave me some money to go grab my pill. My mom gave him some money. She was going out to the casino or something. And my brother was like, yo, go grab this pill. I was like, all right, bet. So I went and picked it up. Well, I was already, I think it was like two days. I was already kicking. Like I was feeling all sick and all sweaty, all achy. And uh, I wound up smoking that whole pill on the way back. And my brother was like, where's that pill? I was like, he didn't have any. He's like, well, where's my money? And I was like, I don't have it. He's like, you fucking smoked a pill. Look at you. You're all fucked up. And I was like, man, fuck. He called me a junkie. And that was the first time anybody had ever called me a junkie. And I was like, man, fuck you. And I pulled back. And I swung, and that was the first time in my life that I had ever laid hands on my brother. The first and only time. And like halfway through the swing, I realized what I was doing. Like, God, this is not good. You know, it's like half punch, half slap. You know, we joke about it today. He's mm -hmm. like, bro, you didn't punch me, you slapped me. But I jumped back. He picked me up, threw me through the wall. I got out of the wall. He threw me down the stairs. My mom, I wound up leaving the house. My mom comes home. She's like, what the fuck happened? And my brother just spilled the beans. We're hooked on drugs, blah, blah, blah. I remember she called me. She was like, come home. I was like, man, fuck you. I'm not going nowhere. I went like two days. And I was like, all right, fuck this. I'm not doing it. And uh, my grandma was living in Arkansas at the time. And I had never been like gone a long period of time without these drugs. So I hadn't really felt like a withdrawal. So I was just like, I'm not going to rehab. Fuck that. My grandma lives out in Arkansas. I'll just go stay with my aunt, my grandma for a couple of weeks, a month, whatever. So I flew out to, my mom flew me out to Arkansas. 
And I think like three days into that first night, bro, I thought I was going to die. Legitimately, I thought I was going to die. I felt like I couldn't move. Like I couldn't get out of bed. My bones hurt. Like I was sweating all the time. Like I would, I would have my grandma take me to the liquor store and buy me a 12 pack of Newcastle. And I would just fucking down beers trying to get drunk just to pass out. So I wouldn't have to feel it. And, uh, I think it was like the fourth or fifth day I called my mom and I was like, I'll go to rehab. I'll go where the fuck you want to go. I cannot do this. And uh, she put me on a plane and I came back out to California and went down to Palm Springs. I went did, I was there for 14 days and I wound up getting fucked up with one of the kids in rehab, fucking smoke, uh, doing bars, doing shit like that, you know? Uh, I wound up staying clean for like seven days by the time I wound up leaving that treatment center. And within two days of being home, popping pills again. Pills again. It's because you weren't ready to to be clean yet. It was like you were forced into it by the withdrawal. Yeah. So if you could get through that, it's like mm-hmm. nobody like back to yeah. So that's yeah, because tough. then you start playing the game. Then you really become you realize you're a drug addict, right? And then you start playing the game like, okay, if I do the pills three days in a row, that's when I'm gonna get the physical withdrawal. So if I do them two days, take a day off. Then on the fourth day, I can get loaded again. You know, like, that's how you think. That's your thought process. Not like, how do I live? You know, I need to go to school today. What's going on with my family? It's just like, I need to make sure I get my fix here, 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 and then I can operate. By the time it was all said and done, I think I went through like three or four more treatment centers here in California. My brothers wound up getting, getting clean, going through like an adolescent program. Uh, they wound up getting sober real early on. They took to it. Um, they're, they're just not addicts, right? They just didn't have the mindset. They got separated from it. They were able to just maintain it. My mom took care of them. They were doing their thing. But every time I would come back into the picture, I'd get them fucked up. And, uh, I was just that big brother, you know? And so it got to the point where my mom just told me one day, like, you're going, I was in rehab. And she was like, after this rehab, you're going to live with your aunt in Texas. You can stay in California, but like, I'm done. Your brothers aren't allowed to talk to you. They were minors at the time. So like she could hold them from me kind of thing, you know? And I just abide by it. She was paying for my car. She was paying for my health insurance. I was a mama's boy, like through and through. That's just what it was. And uh, I didn't have shit. So I had to do exactly what she said. So I did it. Went to Texas, did the whole song and dance, fucking, okay, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? And that's like my story, right? Is my whole life. I just felt like, what do you want me to do? How do you want to do it? It's a trip. Like the, uh, there's a spot in the big book in AA where it talks about, you know, we're an actor and we're trying to make the world was a stage and we're just trying to arrange everything the way that we wanted. As long as everything was the way I wanted it, life was good. Leave me the fuck alone. Let me do my drugs. Let me handle my shit. I'm going to work. Like, I'm not fucking with you. And it was just that same song and dance for so long. And uh, what finally did it, I just, I mean, I'm going to get real with you guys, right? Like, uh, I was just, I just shot up. I fell out. At this point, I was shooting. I got to the point where you couldn't, yeah, get, so, ox- so, you couldn't get oxys anymore, right? Yeah, so you're in Texas. How does it start going then? 
What part of Texas? I went to Austin. Oh, okay. I went, my aunt was living on a farm in Shiner, Texas. Mm -hmm. Like if you know Shiner Beer, they uh, they have a brewery out there. And so my aunt was living there. So I went out there living on the farm with her. The deal was if I stayed sober for, I think it was 60 days, 90 days, something like that on the farm, they would let me move with my cousin in Texas, in Austin. So I stayed sober in the 90 days and I moved with her in, into Austin and I stayed, I stayed in mellow for a little while. Like when I first got out there, cause I stayed sober. I didn't know how to get pills. I didn't know who to go to get anything from. So at the time, that's what kept me sober, right? Is I just didn't have access. And so I remember one time I was, I was working at Vans and uh, I was coming home from work and I was like, you know what? They, my cousin doesn't expect me home for another couple of hours. I'm just going to pull into this bar right now. Went, got a hamburger, got a couple of beers, started drinking. I was like, fuck it. I can drink. So like for like about a year, that's what I did. I was drinking, you know, having beers here, having beers there, doing my thing. But the thing is, is that progression, it's still there. I wanted something more. And so you're at a party one night and he's like, oh, I got this Coke. Well, if you got Coke, what else you got? You got pills? No, I don't got pills. I got heroin. All right. What do you do with that? Oh, you can fucking do this. No, I'm not trying to do that. Or you can shoot it up. I can do that. All right, let's try that. And then it just, bam, bro. Like it went so fucking fast for me. And yeah, it was, uh, next thing I know, I'm shooting heroin. I'm fucking ending up in like trap houses, like trap dens, fucking nothing in the house but mattresses, pissing shit all over them, people fucking on their sides, you know, needles falling out of their arms. Like that's where I was at. That's what I was doing. I, so I, had, I loaded up a rig, did a fix in the bathroom, fell out, which is like a basically pass out. Like you almost, you almost OD, but not quite. Oh, sucking the devil's dick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I came to, needle still in my arm, and uh, my fiance at the time, not her, somebody else. She was getting loaded too? No, she was, we call them normies. She, no drugs, no alcohol. She's just, just a sick individual that was trying to support me the best way she could, but I was just using and abusing her, you know, any way I could. She was stable. She had money. I fucking ran her credit cards up. I fucking took money from her, from her parents, jewelry, pawn shop. Bro, I was a piece of shit, bro. I was bad. <laughs> it's not right. And so I come to, and she's on the phone with my dad. You got to come get him. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. At this point, it had been eight years of this shit. And so eight years in Texas? Uh, Texas was only four and then you made your way back yeah. to Cali? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you- We're in Texas. What, what ended Texas? So I come to, she's on the phone with my dad. And uh, that girl, this is like fucked up because it's like kind of her shit. But like she, she had been through some serious shit. Like her brother committed suicide. And so like I knew where to hit that pressure point, you know, because I'm manipulative too. I'm a drug addict. I know how to get what I want. And I hear her leaving and packing a bag and talking to my dad. And she's like, I'm like, where the fuck are you going? She's like, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I was like, oh, yeah? I bet. I'm done, too. I literally reached behind, grabbed a butcher knife, pulled that shit out, threw my arm on the fucking table, and just started hacking at my arm. Bam, bam, 
bang. <laughs> like, yo, if we're going out, we're going out with a bang. 911, fire, ambulance, all this shit, fucking 5150, three days I don't remember, locked up in the psych ward. Like, she was crazy. She was crazy. I come to out of there, out of that place. Who's the first person I call? My dope man. <laughs> Damn. Like, that's what it's about. But then I get a call from my dad, my brother Matt. They got a U-Haul. They're already loaded in the truck, loading me up. They got a treatment center here in California they're gonna send me to. I just went. I was just like, all right, whatever. I'm you're like, you get to a point where you're just so tired. Like, I know I'm going to go wherever I go. I'm going to get where I'm going to get. At least if I go to California, the drugs will be easier to find. That's my mindset. All right, you're going to take me back to Cali? Let's roll. If you're not happy with your current nutrient company, or you're not happy with how your products or flour is coming out, try Drip Hydro. All you got to do is go to FSOTD.com, get the discount code, and DripHydro.com or Grow Generation stores nationwide, online or in store, we get you hooked up. You got to try Drip Hydro. Everybody's switching to Drip, and whether you want to come in store or you need a drop straight to your facility, Grow Generation can help you out there. Tell them the First Smoke family sent you and get on Drip Hydro now. That's why they call it a sickness, because it changes everything, right? Like. It's an illness. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. That's rough. And so I went up in treatment and I was that dude that every time I went to rehab, I went up getting everybody in the rehab loaded. So I fucking got everybody. I kept getting everybody loaded. I could not stay fucking sober, dude. <coughs> I couldn't do it. I didn't want to. That's the key. Didn't want yeah. to. Wasn't about it. I remember. And so I finally got sober uh, July 29th, 2013. And uh, I wound up, I was getting kicked out of another treatment center. I was a liability. I got three people in the detox center kicked out for drugs. And then I kept pinning it on those guys. No, they had the drugs. No, they had the drugs. No, they had the drugs. Until it was just me. And I kept popping up dirty for the de in detox. They're like, yo, dog, it's you. You're fucking done. We're sick of your shit. Get the fuck out of our place. And uh, my therapist, case manager at the time, I remember I came into a, they're like, we want to have a sit down. And I came and sat down with them. And it was like the clinical director, all these nurses, therapists, like the whole fucking team was there. And they're like, look, you can't stay here anymore, but we don't want to release you because we're afraid of what's going to happen if we release you. And I remember I looked at them, my, the clinical director, and I was like, I don't give a fuck whether you let me go now or you put me in a psych board. I stay for three days and then they release me. I'm going to do what I want to do. It's better off. You just give me my money, give me my shit and let me go. And my case manager was sitting off to the corner. She started crying. Just fucking burst out into tears. And I was like, no fucking way. Like, I was thinking like, no way. Who's, this bitch don't know me. She don't owe me nothing. She don't owe me nothing. She's known me for fucking 60 days. I've been at this place. That's how long she's known me. And she's crying over me. My own mom don't cry over me no more. Like, it's just, you know, it's just a matter of time kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so the clinical director started talking. And I remember I was just like, if you find a place for me to go, I will go anywhere you want. And the director just like, we can't take you any place. Uh, you're a liability, yada, yada, yada. And she was like, if he sits in my office from now until I'm scheduled to get off, can I personally take him? She said, yeah, if that's what you want to do, you can do that. And so I sat in her office for like 
two and a half hours, I think. And then after she got off, it was like five o'clock. She loaded me up in her car with all my shit, dropped me off, took me to this treatment center up in Newport Beach. I had 300 bucks in my pocket cash, I think. Um, this place wasn't taking my insurance. My insurance was all maxed out. So I was scholarship. They were giving me a chance for 30 days. She dropped me off and she was just like, I remember we were driving there and she was just begging me, please give this a shot. Please, please try. You have never tried. Please try. And she was just, I was just listening to her at that point because it was the first time I was just like, yo, this lady don't know me shit. She don't know me. And I'm sitting in her car driving to this fucking place. Like I, I called my girl at the time. She wasn't about it. I called my mom. She wasn't about it. Oh, my dad. He didn't even answer my call. Like it was like that, you know? And so I don't know if like you believe in God or spiritual experience or whatever you want to call it. But like I've never seen, I have not seen that woman since that day. And I'll forever know that woman as my angel, you know, like I was literally touched by God in that moment. For real. I don't care what you want to say. There's no other reason for me to be here right now. If I wouldn't, if she wouldn't have taken me, I wouldn't have went. And so I wound up staying sober in that place. And the dude, I remember even in treatment, right? It was like, it's, it's hard staying sober, man. It's fucking hard. And like, I'd burned so many fucking bridges at the time. Like, even in the treatment center, I was like, there's no point in me being here. In 30 days, I'm going to be get out because I had a 30-day scholarship. 30 days, I'm going to be out of here. And where am I going to go? Nobody wants me back. What am I going to fucking do? And like, how do you stay sober with that mentality of what's the point? I'm fucking already suicidal. I'm coming off of drugs. And now I have what's the point on top of that? It's like, and again, a therapist at this spot saw me working, doing groups and shit. And she was like, I want you to meet these guys. They might have a spot for you. I was like, all right. I'll, I'll do anything you tell me to do. Because the last one that I listened to fucking led me here. I'd do anything you tell me to do. Took me over and met these guys. And uh, they, owned a, they ran a sober living at the time. And uh, they had an open bed, but I had to be open to the fact that they might not have an open bed but we would figure it out when it happened. So I went there, but they said I could stay there as long as I needed to, as long as I was staying sober, based off of the reference from that therapist, which again, it's just like, how does this happen, mm-hmm. right? Why, why me? But I'm just gonna keep listening to other people right now. And so I got to that spot. I was there for like, a mo- I think like two, three weeks. I was living in a bed. I was getting in my groove. I was staying sober. And they come knock on my door. We need the bed. (laughs) Now what the fuck's going to happen? They're like, if you're open to it, the couch in old boy's office folds out into a bed. You can sleep there. You can stay as long as you want. We'll move some of the stuff so you can have half of the closet. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's what you get if you want to stay here. Fuck you guys. Fuck this. Why the fuck am I sober? Leaving out a fucking coat closet, sleeping on a goddamn couch. Fuck this. That's what I thought, but I didn't say that. I said, okay. <laughs> I slept on that fucking couch, bro, for six months. Six months. Stayed sober the whole time. Stayed sober the whole time. 
Do you think that it was something had clicked mentally that you wanted to be, or it just was the right time in the right environment with the right people? I can't answer it. To be honest with you, I wish I could, right? Because I, like I feel just like, like exhausted all your options. I had nothing else to do, man. I had no else to place. Yeah. At that point. It was. You hit rock bottom, bottom down. It was do that or die. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Yeah. I was just at that point. I, I got to a point, man, where when I was cooking the dope in the spoon and shooting that rig, like I was hoping that would be the last one. I got as much dope in that rig as I physically could with still being able to see the blood register in the rig so I can make sure I can hit, hit the right spot. Like I was at that point. I did not want to be here anymore. And so. And, and the day that you got those pills, were you pretty happy and like living a good life and shit? Like, or were you already kind of fighting some demons and. For sure. Some, already fighting demons. Looking at, yeah. Looking to suppress some shit. Yeah. For sure. Already yeah. fighting demons. It's like right? gas is already on the floor. Just took a match. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it was just a matter of time before something happened, whether it was pills, alcohol. You just, just took like, you, you went to extremes fast. Well, and then like, I'm also, I'm medicated. Like I take antipsychotics, right? And so if you think about that aspect of it generationally, like in the, I would say end end of the nineties, early two thousands, like our parents were, that was not a thing. Like your parents were not taking you to the psych ward to a therapist. Like that was as a kid you were? I was, I was being diagnosed as like, hey, there might be something more here. I was very, like I'm on antidepressants. I was always very down, very just quiet, mellow, shy, um, low energy, didn't really want to be involved in anything, didn't want to be involved with anybody. I'm still like that today, you know, very reclusive, very, I'm an introvert, but it used to be to a point where it was debilitating. Mm -hmm. Like I got sober and I wasn't on medication yet. And I remember that guy, one of the guys that, was running that spot that gave me the bed. He came to come check on me. And I was putting my, I was going to nursing school at the time. And uh, he came to check on me and I was in my nursing scrubs in my bed under the covers with my badge, my ID, my shoes on, in bed under the covers. Couldn't go to school. Couldn't fucking move. And people look at me like, how does that happen? Like, I, I don't fucking know but that's just what it was, right? And so I've had like episodes of like that throughout my life, but it just really wasn't a thing. It wasn't like, no, it was, no, you're a kid. No, you're going through this. No, your parents just got divorced. No, it's because you, we moved again. It's because you're going to a new school. It's because you don't have any friends. It's because, you know, there was always another excuse when really chemically I was imbalanced is what it was because I got on this medication regimen. Like I take a pill, two pills once a day, every day. And like, I can control my shit now. I can do what I need to do, you know? And cannabis fucking helps with that. It plays a huge role in my day to day. It took a while for it to come into fruition uh, just because of where I was at, right? Like shooting dope, doing all those things. Um, getting sober, coming into AA, working 12 steps, getting a sponsee, working steps with the sponsee, having a sponsor. I was going to three meetings a week. When when I first met my wife, uh, 
I was, I think, two and a half years sober. And I was going to three meetings a week. I had three or four sponsees, sponsor I call every day. Like smoking weed, like doing weed, like that's just a mind-altering substance. That's a no-no, mm-hmm. right? We just don't even take the risk. I took a sip of alcohol. That was my thing, you know? Um, and so that's just the dude that offered me that bed on the couch, I was helping them move into an actual facility. They were changing from the uh, sober living or sober living to an actual residential. And so he was like, yo, I see you running around and building everybody's vapes. This was like 2013, 2014 and nicotine was just starting to boom. Like vape shops were starting to come up. And one of the things that people did was you had to have cotton and you had to build like silica coils and wrap wires around it. So you could go to a vape shop and do it and it would cost you like 10, 12 bucks, something like that. Or you could come to my room and I'd wrap it for you for five. So we just had a little hustle. You know, I wasn't working. I was going to school, trying to make money. And uh, so the dude sees me, he's like, you're in vape. You're like building all these people. I see you at the shop doing all these things. Think you could run one of these companies? I said, bro, I have no idea how to run a business. I like vape as like a hobby. I could probably mix some flavors for you and see what's good. And I promise you this, I won't fucking stop. You give me the keys, I'll keep driving. So he's like, be to my house at uh, on Monday, 6 p.m. Okay, bet. Man, I'm sick of spending so much time going to the store, having to make all these runs and load all this shit up. Yo, what are you doing here? hash making day i'm always at grow generation if you don't want to have to always go into the store it's super easy they deliver 60 plus stores nationwide delivery right to your doorstep and discreet growgeneration.com use the code tell them the family sent you and get hooked up me and my brother rolled up to that meeting and together he was going to cal baptist at the time one of the same brothers that i had hooked on drugs you know uh, he's going to cal baptist we were just like starting to rekindle our relationship I about two years sober and uh he was just like yeah um i want to i want to check this out with you and see what's good so we showed up and we made our first purchase for like propylene glycol vegetable glycerin liquid nicotine um flavorings all that kind of shit stuff that you need to make fucking flavors and so that's basically how our first business started and that was my first step into vape we started a company called Ethos and just did the whole gimmicky shit, you know? Uh, we had a Rice Krispie Treat flavor. We did wholesale. My brother fucking murdered it. He traveled all over the world putting our product places. It was unreal at times. Flying to Paris, going to the Middle East, going down to Italy, going up to the UK. Like, my brother was crushing it. He was crushing it. All and for this company. All for this company. Wow. At the time, I didn't realize like how much it was though. I was so young, I was getting sober. I was just like, yo, if you, if I didn't have the flavors, if I didn't create the flavors that you have to sell, you wouldn't be able to sell anything. This whole business was built on me. I do everything here. I was like the big bicker back and forth. I do everything, I do everything. And uh, one day it got to a point where it was just like, yo, we just were button heads so much, fighting in the office, didn't appreciate what each other were doing. Uh, my other brother, his twin, was in the military at the time. 
and was just like, yo, this isn't working. Um, so we wound up breaking the company up. They signed everything over to me in 2019. The FDA, in 2016, the FDA came in and said anything pre-August 2008 um, was going to be deemed illegal. And so then it was like, who's going to follow the law? Who's not going to follow the law? How are they going to regulate this? And so a lot of people just pulled out. A lot of people weren't buying. Uh, and it fucking hurt, man. We lost a lot of money, a lot of revenue. I think we got to a point where we had four partners at the time. So we could run enough money through the business to where we could support one of us, but not all four. There's no way. And so my brother was like, yo, I'm done. I'm not fucking dealing with this anymore. You're an asshole. Mm -hmm. I'm out. So they signed all the paperwork, gave me the business. He uh, went out to Texas, started a uh, marketing and branding agency. And that's kind of the time when I like hit a, a fork in the road, you know? Um, I'm either going to continue on this like little vape thing with nicotine or I'm going to figure out what's next. Um at that point, I'd already finished school. Like a lot of people in my life didn't don't know, but I graduated nursing school. Um, like I can, I never took the test because I started this vape company, and I realized like, yo, this is an opportunity I might not ever have, so I'm gonna follow this nursing. I can always come back to, and so it was getting to the point where we, her and I, were talking about going back to nursing school. I was still sober, not doing anything. Then uh, I remember that's how we wound up. We, we found out we couldn't have kids. You know, we were trying to have kids at the time and it just wasn't working out. We went to a doctor. Doctor was like, yeah, you're going to need IVF. We're going to have to try implant the embryo, spitting all this shit. I'm like, dude, what the f how much is this going to cost? Go to the accounting. Slide a piece of paper over, we talk with them. Just like, Jesus Christ, like $70,000, right? I asked for a minute, they came back. I, I remember I talked to my wife and I said, look, I can do this. It's not going to be in nursing. It's not going to be in vape. It's going to be in cannabis. It's going to be in cannabis. She said, and I'm sober, like, you don't touch cannabis. That's a fucking no-no. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you just need to be 100% transparent with me. You need to be honest with me. You need to tell me what you're doing, where you're going, who you're with. And it was like the trust thing, right? Like that's, as long as you're telling me that, I'm okay with you selling this commodity just like you would your vapes. That's what it was. And so that's how it started. We signed that paperwork and... That's all it was supposed to be, right? It was just supposed to be that. It was just supposed to be to pay for this baby. And then along the way, we'll move on. Um, and then the first implant didn't work. And then you got to re-implant. And then the second one didn't work. And then you're like, fuck, what are we doing wrong? We got to train doctors. Then we got to re-harvest those embryos again. Then we implant that one. And that one doesn't work. And so, like, here we are, fucking two-year journey trying to have this baby for fucking transfers, two embryos. Like, this shit was insane. insane. And staying sober. Sober. Yep. 
fucking just ripping money, ripping money, trying to pay pay these people, pay these doctors, trying to give my wife a, a child, you know, trying to have this baby, trying to experience life because now I have this newfound appreciation for life. You know, I've, I've been sober doing my thing, like talking about having a kid, getting married, all these things. And shit got crazy real fast. Do you end up having to give back the money? Or like, how does that work when it doesn't work with a doctor? They basically keep the money and then you move on oh, to yeah. trying again. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Very interesting. Good luck, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Good luck. You want to pay again? Oh, here's another 75. Here's another 30. Oh, here's 15 for meds. Oh, here's 10 for these meds. Oh, you need syringes? That's three grand. It's just like, and I was a dope fiend, bro. And like, I'm literally injecting my wife every night with this needle. Did that trigger you? Nah, you know, it really didn't. Surprisingly, I, I did my steps, man. Like I, I got connected. The whole point in my opinion, and this is just my opinion. I apologize if I offend anybody out there. This is just Justin's experience, right? I got connected to something greater than me. Call it God, call it the universe. And that's what the 12 steps did for me is they got connected to me to that power greater than myself. Connected to the source. And so from there, like things like that don't really bother me. It's just like, yo, this is what I need to do because this is the result we're trying to get. And this is just a process to get that result. And so it was really easy for me. And plus I went through- For a greater purpose. I went through nursing school. So I had to accommodate with a lot of, I had to get comfortable with that stuff, you know? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Interesting path because you'll be dealing with needles every day yeah. and drugs and drug addicts every day yeah and, and so I, that was the thing too overdoses. right is like i wanted to help people right but a lot of people get sober and they work in treatment stay in treatment yeah but the sad reality of it is 90 percent of those people aren't going to stay sober and, a lot of temptation and a lot of that beyond that a lot of those people are probably going to die and so for me I started realizing through this process, like I'm, I'm very emotional or in tune with my emotions. And like, I would develop relationships with these clients that would come through a treatment center. And if I found out that person died, if their mom called me and they OD'd and fuck, like, I just didn't want that. Like, I didn't want that experience, but I knew I wanted to help people. And so nursing to me was a way where I could go into like a specialty, like geriatrics, the elderly. And I can, I can answer your meds. Here, take your meds. You know? Oh, yeah, I'm going to kick it with this old dude. Chop it up. Tell me about your life. Give me some experience, you know? And so that was, for me, a way that I could give back and leave work at work and move on. So-and-so's going to die, but, like, I'm helping them at the end of their life. It's not like some kid fucking sticking a needle in their arm, finding them in the bathroom, right? And so that's, I just wanted to help people. And with vape that's how it started but then vape gave me an opportunity and to show me something that i enjoyed with like creating a creative aspect of my life that was i didn't know was there but i loved i always growing up i always loved apparel high-end stuff i remember like when i first got when i got my first pair of rock and republic jeans true religion like back in the day like that was a big deal spending 200 dollars on a pair of jeans and so being able to be in a position where i could create a brand that people enjoyed or might like 
that was dope. And I remember the first time I walked into a vape shop and saw our, our product on a wall or when I run into people at trade shows and they're like, yo, I love your shit. I mean, that's, that's pretty dope. And being able to experience that through this vape company that I was working on started, started feeling that. So, and then along came cannabis and it was a way for me to, again, get to a point where I could sit down and I can help. Right. Mm -hmm. Because here I am start, starting doing, working in cannabis and I'm stone cold sober. The first time I ever made a disposable for Ghost and worked on a formulation for a flavor, I didn't even taste it. I was sober. I couldn't. I had no idea what our product tastes like for like the first six, seven months it was on market. So you were relying on people around you. Yeah. What do you think you of this? this. Well, yeah. You this. And then you got to worry like nobody's going to tell you the truth, right? <laughs> no, it tastes like dog shit, bro. <laughs> like, the homies are going to be like, yeah, 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 keep going, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The lemonine's a little more lemonine. Right. And yeah, so yeah. I had no fucking clue what I was doing. And uh, I'll back up. So what, at one of the times during when my, we were going through IVF, my wife walks in and I, I was taking a bong load. Straight bong load to the face. Um, I, so so how did, when, when did that start back up? That started on my, it was either my second or third surgery. I tore my Achilles. Oof. And uh, I knew I didn't want to get on pills. So they when say I, that's one of the most painful things you can do. So I snapped my left one. I had the surgery six weeks later. Six weeks later, I went to go play. I was playing flag football. Oh. Snapped it playing flag football. Six weeks later, go play it again. Retear it. <laughs> You're supposed to wait nine months. Six, I waited six weeks. Retore it. Had surgery again. Waited a year. Went back and played football again. Snapped my right one. So then, like a year after that, tear my rotator cuff. So I'd just been through all these surgeries and like I knew I didn't want to take pills. After the last one, like I knew I didn't want to take pills anymore. I didn't want to do it. And so, honestly, I think around two of those surgeries, two of those times, I started smoking weed both times. Because I had about two and a half years when I first met her. I started smoking weed probably like six, nine months. She caught me. It's a big old thing. You're going to go get sober. You're going to do 90 meetings in 90 days. You're going to work the steps again. I did all that shit. I'm not going to lose this relationship. Got sober for about a year and a half. Boom, smoking weed again. And I just, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was, man. I don't know how it was, it was stress, if it was anxiety if it was i wanted to change the way i felt i don't know what it was if it was the release if it was that beer at the end of the day that i needed i don't i couldn't tell you but it, i just kept going back to cannabis kept back to smoking weed and then here i am working in the industry and at this time i think i had like a year and a half sober and so again like i said i wasn't tasting any of this product i was still going to meetings doing all my shit one day i was just like no fuck this i'm I'm going to smoke this. I'm going to try this shit. I'm going to try our fucking flavors. And so I just did one of the. <laughs> Dip your toe in the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Next thing I know, I'm smoking that shit every day. I'm buying a bong. Blah, blah. <laughs> I'm in the garage. So she, she walks in. She finds me. Uh, my boy, Jesse. Uh, he's that same. He's that dude that uh, invested in me in the first company. 
he's the same dude that uh, let me sleep on that couch in that room. Wow. And so he's been a part of my life basically since I got sober. It's 2013. He's been involved every step of the way. And so I've watched his kid, both his kids be born. He's seen my daughter be born. So she calls. She's like, you're telling Jesse or I am. I'm like, fine, I'll tell him. She still calls him and tells him. <laughs> so it's like this big old thing like, hey, you keep smoking weed. Like, what the fuck are you going to do? Obviously, you're doing whatever you want. And again, like, this is AA practice, right? Like, you don't do this shit. You will, we will start shooting dope. It is not a matter of if, it's just when. And I'm like, yo, I'm not shooting dope. I'm still doing everything I need to do. Like, just let me fucking have this. Do you know what my fucking life is like? Do you know what I'm fucking going through? Do you know how fucking difficult this is? Let me fucking smoke the weed. Let me try my fucking products. Let me make sure my shit is okay. This has nothing to do with me just wanting to do fucking drugs. Okay? And it was not okay for a little while. It was not okay. I was like, how much are you smoking? When are you smoking? You only smoke between these hours. You can only smoke half a gram a day. Half a gram is too much. Why would you smoke half a gram? Like shit like that, right? And it slowly got to a point where it just took time. Um, it got, for me, cannabis was that because of the medication that I was on for like an extended release, right? Like I take it once a day and it has like a 72 hour half-life. So it builds in my system. So it stays, keeps me even throughout my entire day. But cannabis hit me in a way where it could just calm me down in the moment. It was that next step. Like, okay, I can focus. I got this. I can do this. And when I tried to explain that to people, they're like, there's no way you can fucking take that dab. And then get on a call with China and get everything done that you need to get done. Please, please just let me, just let me have something, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was a slow progression. You know, we were, started out like here and there and then slowly progress. And like now I smoke every day, right? It's just, it's a part of my life. The brand that we've created, what we've done, I haven't skipped a beat. I, my daughter, I have a daughter. I was able to, she was born, you know, that Ford transfer worked. She's born on February 11th, 2021. Congratulations, man. Appreciate yeah, that. Congrats. And on staying sober and, and letting that be the, the top, you know, right. it's just weed and not. Well, and then, and that was it. Like part of those parameters were like, well, I'm still going to go to meetings. And they were like, what do you fuck do you mean you're still going to go to meetings? I'm like, bro, that's where I found God. And if this program taught me anything, it's that I need God in order to keep going. So if, I'm gonna call it church. You can call it an AA meeting, call it whatever the fuck you want. I'll sit in the back corner with my head down. I won't raise my hand. I won't say a fucking word, but I'm gonna be there. That's what I was taught. That's how I got to where I'm at is by doing those things, taking direction and taking action from those people in those rooms. I'm gonna keep showing up because I know probably just as well as you guys know, life's going to get real mm -hmm. at any given moment. You get a phone call right now. Something happened to your mom, something happened to your dad, something happened to your kids. You don't fucking know. But I know I got a room full of fucking people 
and a phone full of contacts that I can call at any given moment that would show up for me like that. Bro, I'm going to keep going. I don't give a fuck what anybody said. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> you found some purpose. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, that was part of it, right? Like, okay, you're going to pick one meeting because I, I try to be respectful to AA, right? Because I don't, I don't claim to be sober because I'm not. Like, I'm still partaking. I'm still doing these things. But again, like that practice, those fundamentals, those principles, I, I, that's what I live by. That's how I try to live every day of my life. I fall short 100%. I'm not perfect. I'm a fucking asshole most of the time. Let's be real. But like, I can amend that behavior today, right? Like I can, yo, my bad. Yo, I came at you sideways the other day. What I was really trying to do was like, blah, blah, blah. I can express that. And it was through those fucking rooms. So I'm going to keep going. So that's what it was. It was like, yo, you keep coming every Sunday. I'm good with you doing what you're doing. You keep going to work every day. I, bro, I'm the first person in my office 90% of the time, right? Like I'm in there doing my thing at 6.30 in the morning on calls, finishing up with China, getting on calls in people in Houston and Florida. Like just, I don't stop. And we ain't going to stop me. Like it's just going to be there. Keep going, you know? Um, so like that from the personal side, it's definitely been a journey. Like. Mm-hmm reintroducing cannabis into my life my wife she smokes uh she was taking advil popping that shit like skittles for her neck and i was like yo no more of that no more of that it's bad for your liver like i don't want that going through your kidneys like smoke weed for real smoke weed she's like will it help i'm like yes it'll help if you smoke the right weed you take the right edible a lot of people just come out here thinking that oh, you're going to do this and all weed is the same. Like that is not true. In certain forms, yes. When you just give me raw dissolent, yeah. It's just, at that point, it's just whose potency is higher, right? Mm-hmm. But flour, terpene profiles, edibles, what they're adding in there. Like there's dosing appropriately, capsules. Like there's ways now to take cannabis medicinally to where it can benefit your life. And so I got her smoking and She's like, she don't pop pills anymore. She don't take the Advil. She don't take the Tylenol. She's not like, you know, now it might be an ibuprofen here and there. But again, it's like, that's the value that cannabis can bring to people's lives. It's just like, it can help so many fucking people. I fucking got ripped before I came here because I'm fucking, I was nervous as shit. Right? (laughs) But like. Mm -hmm. We're in here, we're talking, we're chilling, we're fucking letting it flow. Like we're having a good time. We're getting real. Like it helps that flow. And uh, being able to create a product to give it to people in a way that I would want to receive it. Unreal. Unreal. When, When my boy Josh calls me and he's like, yo. Evergreen's going to pick you up. They're going to be the first shop that's going to pull you in right here in Santa Ana. And I'm like, yo, how do we support that? I've been going to that shop unbeknownst to that dude for the last two years, getting paused, dissolute, fucking uh, concentrate, 710 shit, like whatever, you know, just going in there as a consumer because I want to give back to the community. Mm -hmm. I want to be a part of that. So many people are like, 
oh, I get my shit for free. Oh, my boy has that brand. Let me get it. How many, when was the last time most people have literally walked into a dispensary and bought their homie's brand at full retail price and not asked for something? It doesn't really happen anymore. Like, let's be real. That's a real homie. <laughs> you know? It is, man. Very it rare. is. It's and funny because so- you can tell because the reactions you get are like, damn, bro, what are you doing? What would you buy? What mm-hmm. do you? And you're like, what do you mean? Like, you want to try everyone's stuff too because I'm sure you want to try everyone else's version of what yes. your competitors or your, you know, the collaborations. Well, and then it's like, that's one thing that I love about cannabis is you know as well as I do, right? Like, to do anything alone in this industry is next to impossible. In my humble opinion, to do it right, mm-hmm. to do it with the right people, to get the right network, to brand it the right way, to get the right representation, like to do it yourself, you're going to get boxed out. Like people are just, it's an ego play at that point, is how it's perceived, right? Because of what cannabis is. Because of the cultivation aspect, because of the fact that it comes from a plant. And so then it's like, it's no longer the consumer or the vendor or people transacting the product anymore. It's about the cultivator, right? It's about the person who's putting the love into the plant, the dude who's trimming the leaves, the dude who's making the sunlight, because that's where the product's originating. And so those people are going to put so much love into that that you try coming in here by yourself and trying to bulldoze your way in. Now, fuck you. You don't appreciate shit. <laughs> you know? And, and, and I realize that. I know that. And so I'm like, nah, I'm going to do this with the people that I like, the people that have supported me, the people that, yo, take these 5,000 blanks for me right now so that I can fucking place another order for China. The people that were like, yo, when you get licensed, hit me up. The people that were like, yo, when you have, when you guys are ready, call this person. Like that's, that's what this, I love about this community is everybody is willing to help the right way and the right people. Now you got to watch that, you know, everybody knows there's snakes in the garden, but, uh, and I've crossed my fair share. I, I think that's cannabis though, right? Yeah. It's business in general. Yeah, there you go, to be honest. Yeah. And that's what I'm realizing too, right? Is because coming in to this industry as a kid who was just trapping, selling some packs here and there to, okay, now I'm running a supply chain. Now I'm talking to China. Now I'm doing proprietary terpene mixtures with formulations with scientists to get IP for our brand. Like, the evolution is completely different, right? But again, like you meet so many people in so many different industries. It's like you say, like it's just every industry. People are always just trying to get their money, unfortunately. And quick fix. Yeah. A lot of people will rob, cheat, and steal to get to the top. And that's just not my story. Like I have taken a lot of L's. I've been beaten over the head. We've been Delay after delay after production run getting tossed, stuff getting lost in mail. Like, it's just wild, you know? It's wild. And every time I ran into a situation that I didn't know how to deal with in cannabis, 
I've always managed to find somebody that was willing to help. And that was like, this is my same experience in AA. Was like, there was always somebody, if I was going through some personal shit and I didn't know what was going on, I could reach out to somebody and they would point me in the right direction. And in cannabis, I've managed to build relationships with people that will point me in the right direction. Oh, I can't do this or I wouldn't suggest doing that, but I would suggest going over here or calling this person. Here's a number, you know? Or, hey, you guys are crushing it. Let me, how can we help secure that supply chain? And it's like, yo, in the beginning, it was so, like, just fighting everything and everybody. <laughs> like, I remember uh, when I first got into it after my, told my wife, it was like probably a month or two we'd been doing it. I'd been doing it. Uh, my boy, he's like, Jesse, he rolls up to the office, calls me. He's like, hey, come downstairs. We got to go to this meeting. He's like, all right, go to the meeting. Get in his car. I was like, where are we going? Like, don't worry about it. We're going here. Get there. Some lawyer office sits me down. I want you to tell him exactly what's going to happen to you if he gets arrested with 100 pounds in the back of the car coming down the 405 from LA coming into Newport. <laughs> That's what he said, huh? Ticket. Ticket. That, yeah, I get booked. Yeah, they take everything, but I have no priors. Thank God, I have nothing, no drug-related offenses. It was in the state of California, just the way the logs are, like how everything is, it's just, it was loose. It was like, as long as you are looking right, they'll play ball with you, you know? Um, I would get a ticket, they would book me, get released, plead out, misdemeanor, maybe some community service. That's about it. As long as I'm not crossing state lines. And so, like, they talk about, we go into that, and he's like, is this really what you want to do? And I said, yeah, this is what I really, like, I want to build a cannabis company. I want to build a cannabis brand. Like, I love weed. Like, I say it all the time, like, in the office, like, I love this shit. Like, I get a high just off of being here, working in this industry, doing these things. I love it. And so he was like, okay, this is what we need to do to make this legitimate. And this is how we're going to do it. I, I like was, that approach. I was like, oh, fuck. For real? Mm -hmm. I was thought he was going to tell me I'm an idiot. He's mm -hmm. like, yo, it's going to, like, it's a, it's a trip. It's so ass backwards how they do everything, right? Because in order for you to get licensed, you have to have the building. You have to have this. You have to have all that stuff. You have to paint this fucking picture so fucking grand and have the foundation and have the structure and have the permits before you even have the product. It's like, I don't even have, like, what is, what am I doing? Like, can I submit for the license? Know that I got approved and then build everything? <laughs> like, nah, 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 not that way, apparently. So it's like, it's such a long process. And what saved our ass and what made all of this possible was hemp. When D8 started coming, that was the pop. That was when I saw the opportunity to insert a brand and gain national market share, be able to market something across the country 
get my brand seen everywhere and gain a foothold for federal legalization. That's the hope, right? This is going to go federal. We're all going to sell our brands to these big companies and blah, we're all going to make millions, right? That's the hope and the dream. So I experienced that in the vape side, like speaking with people like Altria, Philip Morris, and going through acquisitions and mergers and all that kind of stuff. So like I've been in those meetings and I've seen how that structure is laid out. And so I was like, I need to get this brand seen in as many places as possible. That's how it's going to work. That's how we gain market share exposure. So with D8, it's essentially vape. It's all the same distributors, all the same pop-up shops, all the same people. So uh, I uh, remember I was like, called my brother and I was like, yo, I want you to come do this with me. Like, let's do this right. Like, I have this brand. We fucking have a solid fucking foundation. We have a solid underground following. We have an opportunity right now to push this shit everywhere. I can't do it by myself. He was living in Texas. My other brother, Nick, he was, uh, he's doing our, he was like helping me on the side. He was going to school, but he, and he was like doing our books and stuff, like QuickBooks and shit like that. The one that came back from the military. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was like, we'll get Nick, like you guys are, they're both living in Texas. Matt and Nick were living together. And I was like, look. Crazy how twins stay together, huh? Yeah, it's a trip. They, Fucking crazy. They've always been, they would separate, but they always come back. They're yeah. like that. Yeah. I got a few homies that are, you know, I grew up with that are twins and shit. And like, same thing. Went to same college, come back at the same time end up living near each other it's really weird right yeah it's weird um two peas in a pod i mean it's <laughs> no they're like like they could fight each other yeah, and then yeah. you could try to break it up and then they might try to fight like, you it's like real weird <laughs> oh yeah. yeah you just learn to be like yo let's, you let, let them, them do their thing let them mm-hmm. do their shit and <laughs> yeah. figure even it as out. Adults. <laughs> don't get in the middle Nah, even as adults they still bicker fight all the time and you're they're the like, same it's weird it's yeah. crazy except for one's military train now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so i was like look nick's going to school for business management minor in accounting nick comes in he moves back to california he runs all our systems runs all our books he gets everything set up. He's anal as fuck. He's military, super structured, cannabis on the admin side. We're going to need something like that, right? We're going to need to manage metric. We're going to need to manage biotrack, all these licensed plays. I don't know how to do that. It's not my forte. But what I always have managed to do throughout my life is find the right person. I'm, I have no problem telling somebody I can't do something. I have no problem saying I have no idea how that works, but I'll fucking find you somebody that does. I know that about myself. And so with Nick doing what he was doing in school, I was like, you run the books and all of our admin. My brother, trust you, mm-hmm. manage my money. Bet. Matt, you have all the distribution. You know everybody in this industry. You've traveled the world with these people. Five years ago when we were doing this, we were at each other's throat. I'm telling you now, I cannot do this without you. I appreciate everything that you've fucking done, everything that you've done in the past. I need to make this right so that we can take this to the next level. 
Damn, bro, I love that. All three of you guys lining back up. So that was like in October of last year and November, like right around Thanksgiving, they both moved back out here. Cut the lease, paid to break the lease, finished that off, got apartments out here. We got a new office, like, and we just got to, we just got to work. And um, we had, I had already been selling for, like, in the vape market for about a year and a half, like, solo. Uh, met some guys, and they were, they needed hardware. And so I was like, yo, I'll float you the hardware, plug you guys in. But I want you to float my brand through your distro. And they're like, yeah, okay, cool. You'll create your brand on your hardware. I'll float you the hardware on terms, but you sell my product for too. They're like, yeah, bet, run that. And then we did the first run and we wound up outselling them like three to one first run. I was like, oh shit. We ran like 80,000 units for them, 10,000 units for us. And it was gone. <laughs> I was like, bet, we got something here. So we kept going. Uh, that business deal didn't wind up panning out the best. I wound up splitting from them. And when I was splitting from them is when I had made that call to my brother because I had tried to do it on my own. I had developed the brand. I had gotten designers. I had set up the manufacturing. I had all the accounts set up with China. Like I was, we were moving, right? Like we were already there. And it takes so much work on that side of the business for the sales, the distribution, the admin, the fucking contracts. Like I'm just not that guy. And so my brother has always, he was that guy at Ethos and he was, and I didn't appreciate it then. So when I called him and asked him to come back and be the president of Ghost, he was like, bro, I got you. Say less. Shit, man. We, two multi-state, we're two states in less than six months on the cannabis side. We're in about, what what would you say, 2,200 shops across the country? More? Wow, over 2,200. On the Delta side? Holy shit. Like hemp? Mm Mm-hmm. It's fucking unreal. And so California and New Mexico for the cannabis side. Yeah. Started in New Mexico. New Mexico kind of fell in our lap. It was kind of a trip. Um, Some other partners or people that we know in the industry, like we were out there touring a facility and we started talking like, yo, this is a pretty dope little play. Uh, My dad is actually from New Mexico, uh, from a little town called Deming down south border town and so he born in he grew up that whole state like our whole family lives out there so new mexico i was like oh shit like a little home state that would be dope um so we started exploring it and again i just put my brother on it like i was like yo matt we need to find an operator manufacturer we need to find distillate like i can plug this this and this i need you to plug that say less 30 days later, he had a fully licensed extractor. They're running distillate through the whole state. They had manufacturing capabilities, but they weren't manufacturing for anybody else at the time, willing to take us on. Um, small, independent, but just take willing to believe, right? Taking a chance. Uh, we had only anticipated 
And I think like 150,000 is what we were shooting for dollars revenue first 90 days. And we've three X that. And so it's like, what, (laughs) what? It's crazy, man. Like this whole thing has just been such a roller coaster. I still don't even know like where it stopped, like where we get off, you know, because there's so much more to do. It's like, go, go started from, from nothing, you know, just this little graffiti brand to, okay, this could be something. People like this. Okay. Well then I'm not going to get boxed out like I did in nicotine. Okay. How do we brand it? Well, it needs to be simple. It has to be clean because the gimmicky stuff, we saw it get slammed in vape in nicotine. The marketing to children, the fucking mothers against nicotine, the fucking, it was terrible. We pers- I personally, we got in lawsuits over that shit. And so I was just like, I'm not doing that again. I will build the brand right now, today, as if I'm going to sell it when that's 10 years from now, five years from now, whatever it is, because I'm not going to have somebody come up to me and say, I can't sell your product anymore because you have a fucking smiley face on it. I'm not fucking doing that. I experienced that and I almost lost everything because of it. I'm not going to have some bureaucracy, some fucking dude sitting in a suit in fucking Washington tell me what I'm going to do. I'm not fucking doing it. So guess what? This is how I'm going to brand it. I'm going to say simple. I'm going to say clean. I'm going to say classic because nobody's going to tell me my shit looks like a kid. Nobody tells me you're going to looks like I can sell it to a child. You can put that on a shelf and it looks like a jewelry box or a fucking a little book or whatever. Like I'm not playing that game again. And I wasn't about it. It's a good lesson for brands. You have to be timeless. A lot of game right there for anybody listening because uh, cannabis is, it's actually, you know, when you drop it a distro, they're like, don't do black packaging. You need to do colors. You need to stand out. If you want to sell product, it's tough, especially in a, you know, we're getting, we're heading into that, that time in the market where it's super saturated. Yep. Shops can't buy a lot. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's really hard to move product. It's um, a lot of only the same shit is selling candy. And it's like candy, you think candy, and then you tie in the kid talk and cannabis hasn't even got there yet. No. So but it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Right? Like it. And a lot of us, like we flip plays. So like I flip Sherwin Williams and put that on there. Of course, if I get a letter, I got to just ditch that, whatever. Yeah. It's a strain. It's all good. I can keep it moving, but I fully agree on your yeah. core brand. And overall, like if you, it's a product, no big deal. But if it's your entire brand, yes. you're, 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 you're out for the count. And that's what makes like, like we talked briefly a little bit about collaborations. That's what makes collaborations with us so enticing because mm-hmm. we don't demand a lot. We don't, we're black, we're white, we're gray. Like let somebody else pull how they want to pull if I want to collab, right? Like, and so a lot of thought went into that aspect because sure, like a lot of it comes from me, right? Like how, what do I like? Black, white, simple, I'm head to toe in black. Like it's just, it's clean everywhere you go. It's timeless. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a timeless brand 
I wanted something that could be seen everywhere. I wanted something that, yes, it's a cannabis product, but their apparel's sick. I don't smoke weed, but I rock the teas. Or I don't smoke weed, but like their content that they put out is dope. Like I don't, I have their motocross jersey or I have their jujitsu rash guards or, you know, like shit like that. Like that's like, I'll just let it rip on here. Like our whole mentality at Ghost is we want to be the Red Bull of cannabis. Like cannabis, like Red Bull is a marketing company that happens to sell Red Bull. Ghost, we want to be a lifestyle brand that happens to sell cannabis products. And what I've done with that is like specialize in the hardware. And so we own the molds outright. Like you can't go, you can buy something that'll look similar, something that might function a tiny bit the same, but you will not be able to buy the same product from China. Send them pictures, tell them, they'll, they might send you the same product and then this is what it'll look like, but the internals aren't going to function the same. I promise you. And so that's what I was able to really dive into and pull that background because once I started smoking, I was like, yo, these 510 carts are trash. Yeah, <laughs> they were. And then- I like this hardware. And then even like the batteries are so fucking inconsistent. Some of them hit this hard. Some of them hit this hard. This battery's this size. This battery's that size. This one has pre. This one doesn't. It's just like, there's so much inconsistency in it and I was like, bro, I want the same shit every time. Like, I want to, I know what I like to smoke. I'm just that kind of consumer. I know what I want. So I go for it every single time. And so I wanted to create something that made the true contents of it enjoyable. I didn't want the turp burn. I didn't want my fucking nose to fucking fry off. I didn't want to cough my lungs out. I didn't want to. I wanted to taste it, but I wanted to fucking rip it too. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I dab all day. So I love taking dabs. I'm somebody that loves concentrate. So I want, if I can have it compact, portable, fuck yeah. But everything on the market is mass produced. It's trash. And go down to LA right now to get a warehouse. You can get whatever you want. How many disposables do you want? How many carts do you want? And that's what the market's gravitating towards right now because of, the economy because uh how difficult it is to scale with a 45 day projection with setting something up on china waiting sending a quarter million dollars out to china half a million dollars out to china waiting 45 days to get that product and then being able to sell it like well i didn't have a quarter million dollars to tie up into china and, and then if the shop puts you on terms another two months right yeah right and so it's just like with this, I was able to really dive into the components and just focus on how I wanted it to be functioning. I mean, you know, the stigma around dissolute, it, it's fucking hot dog water. It's fucking the worst form of cannabis you can have. It's fucking, it ain't shit, blah, blah, blah. We're like, okay, bet. This is dissolute. I promise you this tastes better than anybody that you can pull me right now. I would put this up against anybody. Not because my mixture is better, but I'm telling you because my hardware functions better than anybody else's on the market. That's what I can stand behind. And that's really what we were able to accomplish. Is so, and that's why people love the brand is because 
the little things, you look at it, I bet you didn't even notice right away that the logo stamped in the butt. I didn't. Now I see it. Okay. Good and call. So, and, but you opened it, you clicked it on, you're yep. like, oh shit, light, internal light. Wait, what is it? The button. Right here, the button on the side oh. is their logo. Got it. And so like- Small features throughout. Yeah. yeah. The internal light when you, when you click it on is really dope and it does hit great. It, it hits great. The first thing that came to mind was like, I want to try different ones, different, different kinds. different. Right. Yeah. It's, just, it's very interesting. And so that's- I love that. Now that we're on market- I mean, I mean, being real, like part of coming on this show for me personally was just like so many people in the industry, in my opinion, now are trying to bulldoze their way in, flood the market, drop prices and just make what they can. And I feel like that is the integrity of the industry kind of fails with that, you know? That's not how the farmers intended the market to be. The, the, when you pull up articles and you read how much people are losing on tax revenue and how many farms are shutting down or dispensaries closing or people looking for a job or people trying to just offload shit for whatever they can get for it, you know? It's like, that's not how it was supposed to be. That's not what it was intended for. We, the people, before me, like the legacy brands built a foundation in a community for people that were looking for something that nobody else had. And that was cannabis. And now there's so many different access points where I feel like a lot of the new people coming in, it's like, yeah, you might be able to do this better, but you don't have to do it alone. And that's what I think a lot of people need to understand is like, there's a there's a right and a wrong way to do things, and I'm not here to tell anybody what that way looks like, but being here and coming and talking with you guys and just putting my story out there is just like a way for me to kind of, you know, get that appreciation and that kind of that nod from the legacy operators before me, like, uh, because I want to be able to give back. I want to be able to collaborate with those types of people. You know, we were talking about how the street brands in the beginning we were brands down on Fairfax. Like those collabs back in the day were fucking fire and it kept people alive back then. Anytime that you did a collab, it popped revenue for everybody. And then you came on the market and everybody starts, oh, I can do this better. Oh, my shop's better. Oh, my shop's better. No, my brand's better. No, my brand's better. It's like, bro, we're all just trying to get money. We're all trying to provide doing something we love doing. Why does it have to be you're better than me? It's like, Let's do this together, right? And so that's like the precipice for ghosts is like, you don't have to be a ghost. Like we're all ghosts. We've all been ghosts. Like let's do this together. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't need to be sitting behind anymore. Like this shit's legal. This shit's out there. We have platforms like this to talk about it, to experience, to gain experience, to offer lessons, to teach things like having something like this and and being able to collaborate with other brands and saying like, like you said, right? You have Blackleaf. Coming to somebody like you and coming to a grower and say, let me just process all your shit, run it through Dissolate, make it shitty, <laughs> and then add your turfs back into it. You're going to be like, bro, you know how long it takes me to crop that? You know how long it takes me to get all that shit going? You know how much money goes into that? And it's like, okay, bet. 
Well, what if I told you this can also do rosin? Are you interested in releasing rosin? What if I told you I have a pod system that you could put your rosins into that would give you an experience that you have always intended your end users to have, but you haven't been able to get because the technology in the marketplace isn't there. Not at mass level, not without mm-hmm. opening up a PO in China, not without creating your own mold. Like you can get it, but so can everybody else. And so that's what makes things different now is how you stand out, right? Is what is it that makes you different? I and mean, you go into a dispensary. Why should I pick you up? We've never seen anything like this. Not yet. Not this form factor. Not the internal light system. Not the mouthpiece. Not the airflow. I've had I've hit a vape. I know how vapes hit. I'm telling you, hit it. And then tell me you've hit something like that before. So now going to people and being able to collaborate with people that wouldn't stay away that stay away from vapes, but might be losing market share. Let's collab. Only run five thousand units. Got you. Brand the box. Let's run this together. See if it works. Most growers had a phase or almost all had a phase of live resin, BHO, like extracts in general, right? And then it just, the market shifted to, to where it is now, where a lot of them just do rosin, but it's because that's what the a lot of the market's demanding from growers, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, dude, the first thing that comes to mind is this, you know, like you said, like, I'd love to see Southern Humble Turp Farm do a Skittles version of this. I'd love to, like, it's, I, I do, I agree. This is very good hardware. And I, I have a lot of, rosin brands or growers or people trying different things and always like try this yep. what do you think of this and at 90 percent of the time the hardware is whatever and the, mm-hmm. the this extract could be phenomenal yep doesn't matter doesn't matter you're, you're tugging on the thing it doesn't give enough pull it, it gives too much pull it tastes like popcorn it like tastes like metal 90 percent of the time the hardware is the issue mm-hmm. yeah it really is that's very interesting you put it that way it does open a lot of cool possibilities too, because I agree you do have something with the hardware that I haven't seen with anybody else. Right. The way it does function is awesome. Very cool. Pack's busting up another one. <laughs> He's like, I need to try this. Let me see what's up with this. I like that one. That's the one I'm doing. Try this blueberry. You've had a crazy brand journey, man, and and personal journey. It's pretty cool. I appreciate you opening up and and you know letting everyone hear that too. It's very yeah, cool. It's, uh, it's been a trip, right? Like I'm far from perfect. Like I wish, <clears throat> I wish I could say it was, but it's just ups and downs, right? I've made some bad decisions, some bad business plays. We've wound up in some really funky positions with the business, but overall, I, uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like there's just so much that I've learned and to be able to do this with my brothers. Yeah. You know, and then my original boy who was watching Game of Thrones and threw out the name Ghost, like he's still there. Like we, that's my partner. Like we still ride. We still do everything together. I got my brothers holding it down for me, watching the money, doing the sales. You got good people around you. Yeah, it's it's been an amazing journey. It's probably been one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, One of the scariest things I've ever done. But it's fucking, I wouldn't have it any other way. I fucking love what I do. I love this shit. Get you a little something, bud. 
<laughs> Shout out Cody for uh for introducing us as well off off camera. Yeah. The homie. So awesome. what are your uh, what do your parents think about everything? How's your relationship with your mom and dad now? Um it's good, man. It's really good. My dad, he <clears throat> he comes out every every Saturday. My daughter has gymnastics. So Papa comes out, takes her to gymnastics, spends the afternoon with her. My mom texts me last Friday saying, congratulations. I know today was a big day for you. I'm so proud of everything that you've done. I love you. You know, like going licensed in California. She knew how much that meant to me and being able to accomplish that, knowing like where I've been, where I'm at, it's unreal. Like I should not be here, bro. I should not fucking be here. You went the road less traveled. I mean, unfortunately though, for our era, a lot of people um, can relate to this. This is going to hit home for a lot of people. A lot of people are still suffering. Oh yeah. um, That I see it in cannabis a lot where people hide behind cannabis and they Mm -hmm. act like they're just smoking weed, but I see them and I'm like, no, you're on other shit. And I I know the difference, you know, and it's a, a lot of people still having addiction problems and then they hide behind the stoner pothead um, identity. And the facts are they're not just on weed. Yeah. So I'm sure this will hit home for a lot of them. Um, and it's it's dope to see that you have stuck with the 12 steps and the program. I've 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 been through a few court ordered programs yeah. where I had to do some shit. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> You know, the weed guy, but also relating to recreational drugs, went out partying and shit. And even Mm -hmm. though I wasn't fully addicted, a lot of people can relate and you learn a lot of stuff in those places. Everybody's very vulnerable. You get very humbled. Um, You really realize that we're, we're all dealing with demons and that, you know, you didn't have it as bad as you thought because you're looking over at other people and you're like, holy shit. You know, they're, they're coming out clean about some stuff that's way more serious than even how I had. And I'm sure you can relate going to those where you're like, damn, dude, I was thinking my problems were so significant. I hear this person's story and I realize my problems aren't shit. Like I, like I was totally tolerable compared to that is like, damn, you know, I might've gave up, you know? Um, And it just, it puts you in a place of gratitude and it's really dope that you found God because I'm a big believer in God. And, uh, when you're tapped into the source, it's 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 undeniable energy, and it's uh, a never-ending, um, deeming light that just keep, continues to illuminate your path. And as long as you fall back on that, you'll always manage to find yourself where you need to be, when you need to be there. And there's just no other explanation. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and and again, that's why I go back. That's why I still go to meetings. That's why I still try to be present when I'm there because I find myself, I'm moving, right? I'm in the middle of moving right now and I'm renting out one house and moving into another house. I'm like bitching about moving, bitching about moving from this house to another house that I own both of them. But yet fucking 10 years ago, I had $300 a duffel bag and didn't know if I had a roof over my head. And that's why I still go back. Because I need to know, like, yo, check yourself. That shit is not real, bro. Get into gratitude real quick. Because what you're feeling right now 
ain't shit to where you were at. And it's hard as fuck to maintain that mindset. But it's like when you walk into an office of 15, 20 people and they're like, how do we do this? How do we do that? And they're looking to you to kind of lead. It can never be me in the sense that like, it's not me that's doing this. I'm turning this over. I didn't get here by myself. I ain't going to keep going by myself. God didn't give me, bring me this far to drop me on my ass. He would have dropped me off a long fucking time ago. It would have been way easier, you know? So, um, yeah, it's like, like you said, like that's it, being able to be humble and try to just maintain it. And again, bro, I, I like nice shit. I'm sitting here with my chain on, you know, like diamonds, fucking nice shoes. Like it gets away, it gets out of hand sometimes. But I think that's, uh, that's the beauty of being able to go back to a place like that in the meetings and the structure is because I get to get reminded real fast when a newcomer walks through the door. Oh, fuck. I used to slam needles in my arm every single day. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know? That's wild. Gratitude. A lot of gratitude. Yeah. Yeah, and staying conscious that you see that new person come in, you're like, I was there. Mm-hmm. I might have been a little worse. Fuck, they're hurting. Like, they're tough. And the thing to go back to that point is scary. Yeah. Shit, I'm scared to, like, end up back in my hometown. Right? Small-minded thinkers and, like, work in a dead-end job. That shit fucks me up. I go back to see family and shit. I'm like, you know, I tell, I have younger siblings as well. And, uh, like one of them just went off to college and I was like talking to him the other week and I was saying, uh, how much better do you feel? You're yeah. out. You're yeah. making it out. You're getting out, bro. I told you, you got to get out. And uh, he was like, bro, I'm in the best shape of my life. I got great grades. I'm, I'm killing it. And uh, was just saying how much better he felt. And it's like, these aren't even drug problems. So you add in drugs on top of that shit and it's like, whoa, a whole new world. Uh, you, you discovered uh, you got reborn. Mm-hmm. You know, rebirth again and got another shot. And that place right there, you're basically already up every day you wake up just knowing that you are going to maintain that right there, that baseline of like, I'm sober. I'm not going back yeah. to that shit. And uh, I, I can I can do what I want to do and not have to, you know, even just even people still having a clock into a job every single day that they hate. That's another form of like just depression and not wanting to keep going which sucks because um if you're not feeling positive energy every day if you're not able to tap into the source if you're not able to be excited about your future or your present day it's life can get really hard really fast and what i want to say to everybody is that you'll never find anything outside yourself that's gonna fill that hole it's always gonna come from within So you got to tap into the source. You yeah. got to you got to go from within. It's definitely Facts. a part of it. Um, and sobriety is is um, powerful, you know. And 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 a lot of people, I see this all the time. They abuse cannabis, even. Yeah. You know, and they suppress those feelings and emotions. And late last year, I don't know if you've ever tried this, but I went and did a ayahuasca ceremony. Nah. And uh, it's it's <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's um. It's they tell you to stop smoking weed a week before because weed suppresses your emotions. 
And the whole point of going and you know practicing the plant medicine ayahuasca is to uncover that, to dig, let that out, get that out of you. And and when you take it, um, things just pop up in your mind, and you start might start purging, you might start laughing, you might start crying. No one can really tell you what's going to happen. Um, it's a different experience every time, but you the whole point of having the emotions is to feel them, let them out. And not trap that trauma in your body because it, you know, even with injuries and stuff like that, like those traumas stay trapped in your body. And there's only certain ways you can release that um, to get it out of you. Yeah. And whether, you know, I, I think a lot of young men or, or men in general have a hard time crying and letting shit out. I, I like there'll be times I want to cry and it's I can't. Yeah. You know, as a, as a kid, I would get beat more for crying. Like, yeah. oh, I'll give you something to cry about. You get your ass whooped more. And so as an adult, you're trying to process emotions and you can't. And then you go to something like cannabis and you're like, well, fuck, I can just put it off. And I went to this hypnotist to do hypnotist therapy one time. And um, he was like, when you stop smoking weed, when was the last time you didn't smoke weed? And I was like, I'm like 18, 18 years old was probably the last time I didn't really <laughs> smoke weed. He's like, well, I want you to know. And then so I'm like 30 at the time, 31. He's like, I want you to know when you stop smoking weed because i told him i wanted to take a break just had enough and he's like well when you stop just just so you know you're going to be processing your emotions as an 18 year old again and i never really thought about it like that yep. that this whole time anything that came up in my life any emotions or anything that i was supposed to just feel and process yeah you're i was just smoking a joint taking a hit and suppressing that emotion so that i i never really had to deal with it and when I went and did ayahuasca late last year, I did three nights of the ceremony and so much shit came up that I had to process and I had to just go through and deal with. And it was just crazy to the point to where I realized, man, I've been abusing marijuana. Like I've been abusing the weed. I've been, I've been using it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. But if you have a hard time moderating and you begin to use it for the wrong things, it can work against you. And 100%. so I realized that and that was a big lesson for me. And uh, yeah, just moving forward, I started to treat it differently and have a different relationship with it. And I do believe weed is a, you know, marijuana, whatever you want to call it, cannabis is a plant medicine that should be ceremonial or used for medicinal purposes. People going through chemotherapy, people having to deal with other problems in their life. Um, they want a better quality of life, you know. Definitely getting off pills, getting off harder drugs. That is the blessing of cannabis. And I, in my opinion, that's what it should be used for. Recreational side of use, it's like if you have the ability to moderate, then mm -hmm. yes. But it's just like drinking alcohol. You should not do that shit all day, every day. Because at the end of the day, it is smoking. It is taking an effect on your overall general health. And it definitely does something to your mindset as well. Your dopamine levels, your serotonin levels. Um, you got to take breaks and you got to moderate and you got to use it as if it's a, uh, um, a plus, a bonus. You got to make sure that you keep it like that in your life because it's just as easy to start abusing that oh, as yeah. any other drug. And then it loses its effect because the more we do of something, the less it works. So it's this crazy sliding scale of you got to watch it. And you got to moderate. And uh, I just want to take that time to say this because I've never been able to like get into that, but I'm yeah. just not going through that this year in my life. And thank God I'm familiar with 
had to go through certain life experiences where I've been in those programs and stuff like that to where I know um, how to remove myself from doing something every day or take a break or, you know, be able to tolerate. um, Overindulging. Yeah. Just overindulging. So that it can be beneficial and not something that I feel is uh, um, beginning to hold me back from bigger goals, bigger accomplishments and things I want to do with my life. And it's different for everybody. 100%. It's different for everybody. Like, there's no one size fits all with this shit. But I do recommend you go in and do an ayahuasca sometime. Maybe you go with your wife or something, but, um, or some teammates, your, your brothers, you know, man, you guys, it's very powerful. Um, and we can talk a little bit about that after off the mic, but it's one of the best things I've ever done in my life for sure. And, and you in that room, you evolve with people. And you download things that come to you and like you're fully, fully tapped into the source and you're going to go see demons. You're going to go see angels um, and everything in between. But it's truly a medicine. It's not like a recreational high at any point. It's very interesting how it is. It's nothing like mushrooms. It's nothing like other plant medicines. And it's very healing. You feel so light when you're leaving those three nights that. You're like, damn, I don't think I've ever got that much out of me to where I'm just fresh now. I feel good. I'm like willing and able to um, process emotions and let life, you know, let things happen and then not have to run to some substance or like some crutch. Cause that's why I started feeling helpless. Like, yo, I gotta have weed. Like, I got, and I didn't like that shit where I'm like, man, I don't wanna rely on anything, even like uh, asthma medication taking that in my adult life, I got sick of all that shit. So I was like, I need to cut back on smoking because that's why I'm having to take my medicine, being asthmatic, right? So then I kicked the asthma medicine, you know, and then limit back on the smoking and stuff. And I started having those realizations and being able to do all that stuff after the ayahuasca ceremony because it was like, I saw things in a different light. Um, Definitely uh, reframes the way you... I don't want to say think, but the way you view yourself and view things you might be struggling with for sure. So. Yeah. And I think uh, I love that. Like that's, I think that's what I could hope for for anybody, right? Is, is what you could hope for for anybody is that that checks and balances of anything. Like I talk to my wife about it a lot. Like <clears throat> I have to be real careful about how I operate sometimes just because I constantly have to check my motive. Right, like I used to kick door and rob people to get drug money to turn around and go shoot dope. Like I know how to manipulate people. I know how to get what I want. I can do it with my mom, my dad, my brothers. Like I know how to play that game. So in business, there are some times when utilizing that skill set is very beneficial. However, if that is a constant in my life, you got to check that, right? Just like, am I constantly smoking this weed every day because I feel like I need it? Am I doing it because I'm running? Am I doing it because I'm hiding? What's the point? Or if What is my motive here, right? That's uh, the checks and balances. I think that's anything in life. Mm-hmm. Anything in life can be too much. Cannabis, gambling, sex, drinking. Yep. So many forms of addiction. Mm-hmm. You can, well, you learn an AA or NA, you can turn anything 
into an addiction. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. Video like games you can, is a big one. Yeah. Kids and shit. Yeah. I love that cannabis, though, is the underlining medicine. We've had this come up a few times on the podcast. To get people off hardcore yes. drugs and give them better quality of life so that they can um, keep their addiction under control. Yep. Because mm-hmm. you can have a family. You can go to work. Chilling. You can go play flag football. You can do, you can go work out. You can do anything you want to do mm. with cannabis. You can't do that with alcohol. Can't do that with pills. Nope. Can't do that with Coke. Can't do that with heroin. Nope. I could keep going. You can't do that with a lot of fucking yep. things, right? Yep. yep. But you can with cannabis. So thank God that we're here and thank God that it's still progressing. And thank God that um, the world is able to use the, the medicine how they they perceive it and how they want to as adults mm-hmm. and uh you know even with some children now helping with seizures and uh, cancers and like different things you know so it's it's amazing to be here at this time it's an amazing time to be alive i'm just and glad a, the stigma's falling back yeah you know yeah it's almost totally broken yeah even in other countries and other places and we can attest to that we've traveled a lot and met up with a lot of mm-hmm people of different culture, different areas, and uh, everybody loves weed. Yeah. yeah. Even in the church, even in, <laughs> yeah. you know, like all yeah. across through, like nobody's really like, oh, you smoke weed? Holy shit. Like we got to get him out of here. Right. And that's exactly. over with. Thank yeah, God. Thank and God. That's, a, that's I think the rise and, and uh, the, this, this era of the pills being pharmaceutical and being like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Your doctor gave you that. I think that broke the stigma and was the final straw for people right now to be like, let him smoke weed. It's all good as long as he's not on the pills, which is crazy to say because where the fuck do the pills come from? Right. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing, right? The government, the doctors, all the people we were supposed to trust. People finally started asking questions. Gave us the pills. Yeah. Because like most kids have had issues with Xanax. Take a Xanax, you fucking go do some crazy crime, you lose your life. You're done. But think about when you were a kid, right? When you were too wild or getting crazy or getting rowdy, your parents took you to the doctor. They said, all right, bet, get him some Adderall, give him some Ritalin, yep. slow him down. Guy ADD, guy ADD, guy ADD. Mm-hmm. And they're just shoving pills down your throat the whole Which time. Which is, you know, Adderall, that's basically meth in a pill. Yep. Yep. Fucking crazy. And so, like, People wonder why we have this drug addiction to these pills and all this dependency happening. It's like, yo, they're, they, they're pumping them out. Yeah. What do you expect? You know, they're fucking handing them out like candy. They it's, really were. I mean, we would see, you know, and I, I was in, I was in the game. So I knew a couple uh, big homies that they opened pill clinics. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they had security out there every single day with lines wrapped. Yeah. And it was young people. Yeah, that Netflix, wasn't old do- that Netflix documentary, like they did a really good job. Yeah, that's like, Pete Burr. I, I look up to him. He's a he's a fucking G. Like, but sure. like, that shit was on point. Like there yeah. was he very goes few deep. times have yeah. I watched a show or a movie and like got clammy, like, oh shit. Because very few people capture it, right? Mm-hmm. But bro, he, they captured it on point. I was like, oh, this is about to happen. Oh, this is about to happen. Oh, he's about to do that. Calling it. And I was like, oh, fuck, I remember that. <laughs> I can't watch that show Intervention. That show Intervention? Yeah, it's a little crazy. It's just, yeah. I, same thing. I'll, I'll just get squirrely. Yeah. I'm like, eh, eh. 
<laughs> you should check out the uh, series Painkiller. The Netflix one he's yeah. talking about. Yeah. I saw it on there. I, I don't. I stay away from watching a lot of that shit. <laughs> Definitely crazy. Um, affected so many people. Um, a lot of people don't talk about it. Nah. You know, that's a part of it though. When you open up and talk about it, that's when you know you're uh, evolving. It's just, that's just me, right? Like that's, I'm not here to paint this picture. I'm not here to like push this brand. Yo, 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 this is who we are. This is me. I'm some fucking hype. Like that's just, that's not me. That's not who I am. Like we're here to chop it up and talk about real shit. You guys want to know who the CEO of Ghost is, who the founder is, where he came from? Like, Mm -hmm. this is my story, bro. Like, I was a fucking dirtbag junkie. Got my brothers hooked on fucking dope. I was shooting up needles, fucking pulling toilet bowl water like scumbag. I should not be sitting here, but I am. And so if there's people that are watching this podcast, if there's people that are out there listening and they've gone through some struggles like that and something like this helps them. And it was because I have a cannabis brand that happened to open the door to let me sit down with people like you. Bet. I win. It doesn't have to be about the money. It don't have to be about anything else. The brand could go nowhere after that, but it might have just changed somebody's life. I'll take that. You know? And I think that's what society's missing right now. Very few people are willing to just call me a pussy, say what you want. I don't give a fuck. It is just who I am. Take it or leave it. So it's uh, it's been an honor to be a part of this, being real. Yeah, absolutely. This has been a deep episode. It's mm-hmm. uh, you've gotten very vulnerable. Um, we appreciate that because that is what helps people, allows people con- to connect, relate, share, um, and you know, ultimately at the end of it, come together and create a community where you know we do an annual party every year. It's called the Family Reunion. Yeah. Hopefully you pull up to that and yeah, I guarantee yeah. you people would come up to you and be like, hey man, like I fuck with your episode and I, I've been going through the same shit or I've been, you know, I can relate or mm-hmm. this is why I started my brand too. And then you might do a collaboration yeah. based off that. And uh, it's why it's so important to get your story out there because people don't trust faceless brands anymore. They relate to the founder they relate to the people involved and why they're doing what they're doing why they're passionate about the purpose of their product the people that quote-unquote work for me i consider them family you know like my whole thing was like i want to have a safe place i wanted a place that i i moved around so much when i was a kid i never wanted to do that anymore I knew that the only way I was going to get it was through financial success, money. That's what it took, right? And so, like I say, I talked about how I was all pissed off about moving from one house to another, right? But the backstory on that is the house that I'm moving into now and the house that I'm renting out, I'm renting it out to two guys that worked for me for the last eight years because the market is so fucked off right now with rentals and fucking contracts and houses going up and shit they can't qualify for shit they can't get approved for a fucking place bet i got you you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna build something so fucking powerful that i have the resource call it money 
to take care of the people that took care of me. These fools fucking rode with me when my vape company had nothing. They had two employees left. And they were like, I told them straight up, I don't know how I'm going to pay you over the next couple months, but I'm not going to stop. And they're like, anything you need, we're going we're to keep rolling. And those two guys are moving into the house, right? Like that, I'm trying to build that. I'm trying to leave behind that. I'm trying to make sure I impact people in that way. I don't give a fuck about how much money, like dope, does Ghost make it everywhere? Can Ghost be out? Can Ghost be the biggest cannabis brand? I fucking hope so. I hope I can go worldwide. I hope I can take it to the next level. But at the end of the day, man, I'm just trying to take care of my family. That's it. My family big now, so it's going to take a lot, but it's just what it is. But I do it. A lot of compassion. That's what I always think of a word. And I, that's what, I mean, to have that for people around you and for those guys to rock with you since the vape days before any of this, you know, a lot of compassion for everyone's situations and what everyone's going through and how we're going to get there. And, and now look where we are, you know, very cool, man. It's cool to see how you built your purpose and you're doing it through an awesome product. These definitely hit great. They taste great. They're clean, something you can rock with and have on you. And it's not like tacky or, you know, I fuck with, I was fucking with my barber earlier. He's got like this strawberry kiwi deal or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, the fuck is that, bro? Yeah. Like, don't, right. yeah. come on, man. And it's funny to see those, but this is something you can at least identify with. Um, and I could see it being around for a long time, man. So great work. I appreciate that. For real. Absolutely. I, I love that you attack the situation at the weak point in the industry, the hardware as well. You, uh, you got any shout outs, man, and, and definitely tell people where they can find you, where they can connect with you. Uh, well, the first drop is going to be at Evergreen. Um, definitely want to shout out Bud Tech and the guys over there. Um, Master Extracts. They did our first manufacturing run, got everything rolling for us here in California. Ray over at Budtech has been amazing. The access that he's given us, he's basically held our hand through this whole process. Um, so that's been, again, this community has been so open arms as long as you're willing to put in the work and just not be full of shit. Just do what you're going to say or say what you're going to do, you know? Definitely, Vana is was our licensed partner in New Mexico. They definitely helped us out, give us our first shot, took a chance. My boys down at Honest in Florida, like they're holding it together for us. Like if it wasn't for them and the hemp side of it, holding us down, like I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Um, if it wasn't for Vana pulling it together for us and manufacturing when it wasn't ready, we wouldn't be on market. Uh, Master Extracts Manufacturing, Bud Tech fucking distroing. And abstracts working with our, our terpenes. They, we got some people on our team that formulated the terpene profiles in a way to where everything's proprietary. I can call abstracts direct and say, I need my ghost blueberry. And they're going to send me the ghost. Abstracts has other blueberries, but they don't have a, they can't get the ghost blueberry. And so it's through strategic partnerships like that. I think that we've been the most successful is because, again, like I, kn I know I can't do this by myself. I know where my core competency is. And so that's what I focus on. And I let other people focus on their core competencies. And that's why I think I've been successful.
is the team around me and just being able to work with people like that and let them do what they're good at because you're not going to be good at everything. It's impossible. Fully agree. Definitely not easy to get to that point either. You know, it takes a lot of time, a lot of different people, a lot of hardships, um, and a lot of just solving problems (laughs) nonstop, putting out fires, figuring it out, and then try to keep your morale high so that the people that are helping you don't get discouraged, but you can continue to seek out and find what you're needing at the time. Because the the hunt never ends. Mm -hmm. Search never ends. I always think of that picture on, it's like a meme or something. The diamond mine. The diamond mine, yeah. yeah. Don't stop being (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. brother. I have that go through my mind all the time. Yeah. Because I always feel like I'm just right there. And just right there might be two weeks, might be a month, might be a year. And you don't know what it looks like, right? Like I told... My brother yesterday, we were sitting in the car and I was like, look, 45 days, I'm telling you, something's going to change and we're going to pop. Give me 45 days. And uh, I think I have to wait that 45 days. I wake up this morning, I get the email about New Mexico going through and license today. Boom. Like you never know how close you really are. So giving up is just don't let it be an option. That would be my biggest hit. Just don't fucking stop. Love that, man. Absolutely. Where can they uh where can they find you on socials and uh so ghost, there's a lot of I'll be real, there's a lot of ghost like profiles out there, a lot of knockoffs. I mean, you can get our hardware off Alibaba, like we've been knocked off left and right from everybody. Um the official handle is ghost.extracts.official. And then ghost.hemp. And then we're getting ready to launch an apparel line, which is im.ghost.official. Dope. Yeah. So those are those you are guys got a website? Yeah, it's a ghostextracts.co. .co. Ghostextracts.co. And then you can go to imghost.com and then it can forward you out to the hemp air cannabis websites as well. Fire. And Evergreen's based out of San Diego? They're in Santa Ana. Santa Ana. Okay, cool. So that's the first shop that we know officially picked us up. I believe their order's being dropped off in the next day or two. (laughs) So definitely, if you're in the Santa Ana area, shoot over to Evergreen, pick up some products, show them some love. Uh, Definitely thank you to them. Huge shout out and thanks to them for taking a shot, picking us up. Um, A lot of people don't think that we're from the east coast i think ghost started on the east coast and is now trying to get into california but we're all from here born and raised so being able to get product on the shelves in our home state is it's like a dream come true you know you work hard to do that shit and people in the industry like you talk to some random person they're like oh you have a licensed cannabis company they're like oh that's cool but the people in the industry knowing how difficult that really is being able to do it in two states in less than six months. That's not me, bro. That's my team. That's my team. Yeah, definitely. I'm not, not pointing it in the right direction, but that's my team. Congrats on all your success, man. I know you're going to keep going. I know you're motivated. You're filled up with purpose. Um, really dope story. I hope a lot of people can connect with this. 
Um, definitely hope to have you at the first smoke family reunion. Absolutely. I'll be there. And, uh, we'll look forward to, you know, building from here, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank really you guys. appreciate you, bro. A hell of a story. Thank you for opening it up and sharing it with everybody, man. It's, it means a lot. Yeah, no doubt. I'm glad to be here. This was an amazing opportunity. Let's thank you guys, all the listeners, whoever reach out. Appreciate you. Absolutely. You already know what it is. Go sex tracks. First smoke of the day. Big smoke. We're out. Appreciate you guys. Peace. Hey, stop. Before you leave, roll up another one. We got more episodes just like this. Click right here.